Good morning, everybody, and uh, thank you to Jennifer for coming out today, and we're happy to be partnering with uh, Bridge Foster Ministries again this year. Uh, make sure that uh, at the end of the service, as you go out, uh, there's a table out there where she will be located, and make sure you stop by to see what you can do to help out a family this year. Also, I want to thank my church family for all of your prayers for my mom. Um, I can tell you she is a tough lady. She is a tough lady, 93 years old. She had congestive heart failure. She's had fluid build up in her lungs and her heart. And uh, I, I really think if she hadn't been at the hospital, you know, she would have passed away. But I am so thankful that she was there and uh, continue to pray for her. And um, I know she would rather be here today than in a hospital room, but she's where she needs to be, and I know God is watching over her. And um, I think she's a great example, actually, of what we're going to be talking about today, and that is listening to understand. You know, because the medical staff at the hospital did a great job with her as she was in that uh, emergency room and she just started crashing, her blood pressure went sky high, her oxygen levels went low, she was struggling. And I don't, again, I don't believe she would have been here if she hadn't been there where those uh, medical professionals saw what was going on and they acted and they acted quickly. And so we we're grateful to all of them for giving her that care. But suppose they didn't listen. Suppose they weren't observing what was happening with her. I think the outcome would have been very much different. Have you ever felt like no one's listening to you? Any of you? I, I'm sure you, you, if you're a child here today, there are times you think your parents are not listening to you. Am I right? Raise your hand if you're a child here today and you think there's times when your parents haven't listened. Now, see, I see kids looking at their parents sort of in an anxious way. Like, if I raise my hand, am I going to be in trouble? Am I gonna... Now, I see, I see little fingers going up. Uh, so as not to be now, now let me put it on the other shoe how many of you parents think your kids don't listen to you Raise yeah yeah. see you're not scared because you have the authority you can say what you want to say um, how many of you ever made a, a call to us to get some service for something you know you call the customer service hotline and you want somebody to help you so what happens? You, you get through to some automated system. Am I right? How many of you love those automated systems? You, you, they go through the list. Press 1 if you have a billing question. Press 2 if you have a technical question. Press 3 if you have a question about some equipment. Press 4 if you don't know what you want. You know, all these options. And, and you realize that none of those options are what you're needing help with. You need to speak to a what? Human being, yeah, who speaks English. Um, and, and I keep waiting for them to give me that option, but it seems like forever. And finally, when you do get through to a person, sometimes it seems like they're not really listening 
to what you're trying to tell them. So how many of you have had that feeling before as you've gone through that whole process? People just don't seem to take the time to listen. More often, what happens is we're waiting to be able to say what we think rather than truly listening to what the other person is saying. I know because I have a tendency of doing that myself. I, I, I'm hearing that person, they're tell, Christy can probably tell you this, you know, she's telling me about something and I'm, I'm trying to think of a solution to her problem. What does she want? She just wants me to listen. You know, we got a deal. If she comes to me and starts telling me something, I'm saying, okay, is this one of those listening moments or is this one of those helping moments? And so that, you know, for you, any newlyweds, that's a, that's a good idea. Um, but, but a lot of times, you know, we're trying to come up with a solution or an answer to what we're hearing. But as you know, a lot of times people are just really wanting to get stuff off their chest. They want to know that we care and that we're hearing what they're saying. And when people don't listen, many times they get the wrong message. Years ago, I was getting ready to go to India, and I had shared with the church that, you know, this trip was coming up, and I asked everyone to pray. And um, uh, a few weeks later, I went to uh, Mid-Atlantic Christian University, and uh, I was getting ready to go to lunch there at their cafeteria, and a preacher friend of mine, who is also, you know, very familiar and connected with CICM, saw me, and we, we said hello, and as I passed him, uh, we spoke very briefly, and, but he said something to me. He said, I heard you were going over to India to save Ajay. And I thought, you know, I giggled at his joke, and I said, yeah, I'm traveling over uh, later this year. Uh, later, as I was eating, uh, sitting at a table in the cafeteria, he came over and he sat at my table and uh, we spoke about the trip. And once again, he said, yeah, I heard you were going over to India to save Ajay. <laughs> now, have you ever had that feeling that, you know, somebody said something that you thought was a joke and then they repeated it and then you were thinking, okay, there is something that he's not saying to me. And I felt like something was off, so I said, what, what are you talking about? He said, well, I heard you're going over there to save Ajay. And I'm like, where, where did you hear that? He said, well, I heard that from Susan. Now, Susan was the lady that worked with the U.S. team. So I was like, I don't know why she would have said something of that nature. So I called Susan. I said, Susan? I, I heard this. Now, is this accurate? She said, yes, that's what I heard. And I said, well, why would you tell this to uh, this other preacher uh, that I was going over to India to save Ajay? She said, well, someone else told me that. Uh, there's a fellow pastor in eastern North Carolina. Again, I will not name him by name, but I was still a little confused. I was like, why would I've not even talked to him about this trip. I don't know why he would say that. So I called the preacher. You know, I track it down. If somebody's saying something, I'm tracking it down. So you, you need to know. If you say something and I hear it, I'm tracking it down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow up. And so I inquired. I said, 
why would you tell, did, did you tell Susan this? He said, yes. I said, why, why would you tell Susan this? Where did you hear this from? He said, well, I heard it from so-and-so who was at your church the day you announced that you were going. And then it made perfect sense. Because I know the lady that he was talking about, and she was older, she didn't have very good hearing, and she just totally misunderstood what I was saying. She wasn't really listening. And I did a double check. I went back and listened to the audio. Uh, I asked Chuck Holton, who was our youth minister at the time, and he confirmed, no, you, you never said anything like that. Now, that's where I ended it. I didn't call the lady, you know. But I did ask the preacher for a favor. I said, if you ever hear something like that with me associated with it, Rather than calling somebody else and telling them that's what I said, how about call me? Isn't that the way you would want it to be handled? Listening is a key ingredient to blessing people. When we really listen and understand what they are dealing with in life, then we can bless them. When we fail to listen, we fail to understand what they're going through. You see, when we don't listen and we don't understand, all kinds of problems can occur. But even more importantly, we will miss opportunities that God is giving us to bless people. They will not feel like we care about them or their situation. They will just feel like we're judging them or they will feel unloved or unknown like Again, nobody cares for them. So in this series called Bless, we've been talking about five everyday ways to love our neighbor and maybe change the world. And you know, when we change the world, it's one person at a time. It's like eating an elephant. It's just one bite at a time, right? So we can't change the whole world in one moment, but one person at a time if we can bless them, uh, our world can change. As Christians, I believe that our goal for all of our relationships should be that everyone we know comes to know Christ. Is that your goal? Is that what you hope for? Do you hope that everybody you love and care about in life will know Jesus and have that hope and promise of eternal life? And if you truly believe in eternity then knowing Christ is the most important issue in life. And so the reason we want to bless people is so that they will hear us when we tell them about Jesus. And that is going to help them more than anything else. But we just don't walk up to somebody and say, you have to know Jesus, or even worse, just start yelling at people as they walk, you're a sinner and you're going to hell, you know. How many people have ever really been changed by that kind of communication? I don't think it's very effective in trying to reach people for Jesus. So in the book Bless, the author suggests that the answer, again, is to bless people. B-L-E-S-S. -S. Each letter 
in that word represents something we can do to help people come to know Christ. All these five things, again, are not rocket science. They're just everyday things we can do. Last week, we began with the B in bless, and that means begin with prayer. And we identified eight people in our circle of influence, maybe eight neighbors, some of them might be co-workers, some of them might be students that you sit around in class, some of them might be uh, teammates that you play ball with, but eight people that you can influence and you can help to know Jesus and bring a blessing to them. And we want to begin praying for those eight people specifically that God give us divine appointments to connect with them. Now today, we're going to see how we can intentionally listen to understand. That's what the L stands for, to listen. We need to listen to our neighbors as we are around them so that we can know what they are going through in life. And so the big idea for this message today is this. To bless your neighbor, Jesus invites you to listen. And listen intently. Now there's a story in Scripture about Jesus healing a blind man. But the interaction between Jesus and that man is what I really want to focus on today. And the first thing we see in that interaction is that the blind man needed someone to listen to him. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn over to Luke 18. You can follow along on the screen or go to our YouVersion um, site and follow along in that. But in Luke 18, we're going to begin in verse 35. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Now, I can't even imagine what it would be like to be blind. Um, I, I know some people that are, have lost partial sight. I know some people that have been pretty much totally blind. But being blind would really cause a lot of suffering. I mean, uh, especially in the day where Jesus lived, being blind meant you, you really did, you couldn't have a job. You couldn't really have a good income. The only thing you could really do was beg. And they had no support system with their governments to make sure that people who were in these situations would have the help they needed. The medical advancements with medication certainly were not available in that day. The only way the man could make any kind of living was by going out day by day, sitting in the same spot, asking someone to listen to him, asking someone for help. And without that help, he starves and he dies. Now, years ago, uh, many of you, how many of you remember Hollis Maupin? Anybody here remember Hollis? Hollis was blind, and um, 
I made the mistake of asking him during a, a sermon one day, uh, and I think I might have even been preaching on the same text, but I, I said, Hollis, if you could take a pill today that would give you your sight back, would you take it? And I was certainly expecting a yes. And he said no. I was like, oh boy, that sort of shoots the sermon right there. Uh, you know, ever since that, I've asked people before the service what they would say. Um, uh, but he, he said because he was blind. And I, and I talked to him later. But because he was blind, he had to... He, he went to the aquatic center, and no, it was uh, the ViQuest, I think, is where it was. And he met Jill Hollis. And they were both in the pool, and Jill struck up a conversation with him. And then Jill and Cliff came alongside, and they began to minister him. Hollis was not in church, and he didn't want anything to do with church. But because of them... He came to church and he discovered that church people actually love you and they care about you. And he came into a closer walk with Jesus because of that. That's why he was saying he wouldn't take a pill because he understood that he gained spiritual insight even when he had no physical sight. But even today with all the medical breakthroughs, blind people still have a difficult time. But at least we do have more of a support system today. In Jesus' day, it was just people with a kind heart that would stop and drop some coins or maybe some people in the community that might bring some food. I don't think any of us in here can really know what it means to feel like you got to beg for a meal. But we do see people around town, and, you know, I know we don't really know all their motives and stuff. But many people will sit in the same spot day after day as people pass by. Maybe they'll have a sign. Maybe they'll say we need some help. But most of the time, people don't do anything but ignore the beggar. Would you say that's probably true? Once in a while, people will, again, drop a coin in, maybe buy a meal, give to the person but you can imagine that a person in that situation would need someone to listen to them. What is it that they really need? So he is listening because that's really all he can do. He can't see what's happening. He hears the crowd going by. He knew something was stirring. You know, what, what's going on? And somebody says, Jesus is passing by. Obviously, he had heard about Jesus before. Because we see in the next part that the blind man cries out to Jesus for help. And again, we go back to Luke chapter 18, in verse 38. He called out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So, he's calling Jesus by a messianic title. He knows something about Jesus. Now, obviously, he had heard this from someone. 
But as he does this, there are people that actually rebuke him. Shh, stop. Don't you bother Jesus? <laughs> Isn't that funny? As we listen from this side of the cross and we look back and people are saying, don't you bother Jesus with this? Well, he wasn't going to be deterred. He had a need and he shouted it out even more. He knew that he needed help. And in his heart and mind, he knew Jesus was the one who could help him. And that brings us to what happened next. Because what we see is that Jesus actually listened to him. Now, I, I don't know if you've ever been in a big crowd and you've been walking by. You know, I imagine for, for celebrities it can be sort of difficult as, as you're surrounded by all these people and they're shouting and people are saying stuff and for you to hear like one voice out of the crowd. You know, I'm sure as Jesus was passing by there were a lot of people yelling and shouting, but Jesus heard this man. And we begin reading in verse 40 of the text, Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. And when he came near, Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received a sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. So this guy is just shouting out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And out of all that crowd, Jesus hears him. Now, I don't know if, uh, you know, uh, it, it says that he had the man brought to him. So it's not like Jesus was right next to him when he heard the man yelling. Obviously, the man, there were people in the way, but Jesus heard him and said, bring him to me. And Jesus stopped <laughs> And then Jesus did something that's interesting because I believe that Jesus knew what the man needed before Jesus ever asked the question. Because Jesus said, what do you want me to do? And the man said, Lord, I want to see. And Jesus gave him sight. I'm not exactly sure why Jesus asked him the question, but I feel like he asked him the question so that other people would know and so that the man would know that Jesus was listening to him. Because I feel certain that day after day, as that man sat on that street and people passed by, he felt like no one ever listens. They just toss the coin and walk by. They don't get to know me. They don't really care about me. They just want to be done with it. And yet here is the Son of God stopping to listen. And he asked me, what do I need? And all of that resulted in praise of God. And I love the fact that it says that the man got up and he joined in the parade. He was going with Jesus. And wouldn't we, if Jesus had done that for us, wouldn't we be joining uh, in that parade? If you want to bless someone, friends, 
listen like Jesus listened. Find out what is in that person's heart or what that person is going through. We don't need to start with solutions before we know the issues. But how do we know what the issues are? How do we know what the struggles in that person's life or even struggles in our community? You know, the Apostle Paul once traveled to the city of Athens. And at the time, Athens was like this, the center of philosophy and, and, and multiculturalism. It, it was a center of where, where all these different ideas came out. There was a place in Athens called the Areopagus where the people would go and they would listen. And the author of Acts sort of says, you know, that's all they would do all day long. They'd just go listen to all these latest ideas. But again, that, that was where debates took place. And so Paul went to the Areopagus, and that's where he introduced the idea of Jesus to them. But he didn't go there until after he did something else. And in Acts 17, beginning in verse 22, Paul, we, 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 are, we see the explanation of what Paul did. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus, and he said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship. I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. And so you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. Now, Paul was not insulting them, <laughs> when he said they were ignorant. Now, I know today we might take that as an insult, but he was basically just saying to them, you're not aware, you don't know who the unknown God is, but I want to tell you who he is. You don't know him yet, but you can know him. So what is it that Paul did before he ever got up to speak to their need? He walked around the city and he observed what was going on. He noticed the many idols that filled that city. And he read the inscriptions on those idols. And I'm sure that as he passed by, he was listening to what people were saying. In other words, he, he was listening or observing in order to understand. He didn't berate them for not following God. In fact, he recognized them for, for being very religious, for, for them recognizing that there was something beyond themselves that they needed to know. And so, friends, when we are attempting to bless people, which is, I think, what Paul was trying to do in Athens, he wanted to bless them by helping them come to know Jesus. We need to listen to understand so that we can know more about who we are trying to bless. Dave Ferguson suggests there are some specific things we need to listen for. And he uses P's. They're all P words, which sometimes preachers like to do, you know. Uh, that, that's just the way we are. So as we observe our community, as we observe 
people that we're trying to connect with ask these four questions. Uh, the four P's. The first P is pain. What are the challenges that this person or our community has to face? Uh, is it loneliness or anxiety or addiction or depression? Are there broken or strained relationships? Is there racial stress? Is there economic stress? There is pain everywhere. In order to bless people, we need to know what their pain is. And the second P is pennies. We need to understand the economic situation of that person or the community. What kinds of jobs are available? Uh, where is the opportunity for people to prosper? How has the local economy affected that person or our community, either in a good way or a bad way? And then there is power. There are certain people in every community who have influence. Who are the people of influence in our community? Or maybe who are the people of influence in that person's life? A, a mayor, a city council person, a politician, or law enforcement person, maybe a, a, a church or religious organization. If we're going to bless our community, if we're going to bless people, we need to know who holds the power in their life. And then parties is the fourth thing. Now, I'm not talking about uh, who's, who's got the best parties. That's not what we're talking about. Um, but what things does the community celebrate? School? School activities? Sports? Uh, faith? What, what are some things that we can do to connect to those things in the community that the community celebrates? When we know those things, we will be better equipped to be able to bless people. For instance, if you know of a need in a local school, maybe you can volunteer to help with that need. 86 Hunger really sprang from that kind of need. Um, 86 Hunger is our mission of the month this month. And uh, it, it really started as a grassroots effort to meet a need in the community that families in our church saw. They observed it. They listened to what was going on. And so they discovered that there's something that they could do to meet that local need. And so again, Backpack Pals became 86 Hunger, which now is serving, I, I think, has served up to 170 children a month in our community. Of course, Jennifer uh, Teague is here with us today, and she's shared uh, the needs of some foster families. Bridge Foster Ministry is a great way to meet a need in the community. And how did they come to know this? Because they observed, they listened. Before Bridge Foster Ministry was ever started, there were conversations. What is the need? How can we help these families, maybe by getting to meet people through those efforts, maybe by ministering and blessing those families, we can share the gospel with someone. 
Now, I can tell you as a pastor, sometimes it is frustrating to know that sports in our community is like a god. Y'all hear what I'm saying? It, it can be. Um, when, when travel ball starts, I, I know families are going to be gone, and we miss those families. And I don't know what they're hearing. I hope that they're, you know, having some time of worship and focus on God. But it, it can be frustrating because I, I know that they're missing out on the body of the community here at the church and hearing the Word of God. And, you know, we can choose to bang our head against the wall in protest, but that's not going to change anything. It, it isn't going to help all those who are involved know Jesus better. And so I, I've had to come to the conclusion, it's not, I, look, I want everybody to be at church every Sunday. No question about that. But if their kids are involved in things and they're going to be gone, it's not about whether they're here in church every Sunday, but it's about whether they know Jesus. And I think that's got to be the thing that we really promote and help families that are doing things uh, to know Jesus. So if we know that sports is a big deal and many families are going to be involved in those sports, how can we partner with them and have opportunity to share Jesus and his love and his mercy with them? So as we begin to listen to people, we begin to learn and understand what they need and possibly how we can bless them. So here's some questions that maybe you need to ask or know. Maybe those eight people that uh, you wrote down, if you weren't here last week, maybe just jot down eight names of people that you know that are in your circle of influence. It, again, it could be a neighbor. It could be somebody you work with. It could be somebody you're in school with. It could be somebody you play ball with. But think about those names. What are those names? Do you know the name? If you don't know their name, go up and introduce yourself. Uh, what, what's going on in their life? Do, do, do they have newborn children or do they have older kids or are their kids all gone or they don't have any children? Are they elderly or disabled? Uh, do, do they have similar life situations as you? Like, is their age similar? What kind of work do they do? Uh, is it a single mom or a single dad? You know, what we're looking for is to build some community in the neighborhood. How are we going to do that? Other Jesus followers uh, in the neighborhood might give us opportunity to talk to them and pray with them. Find out what their birthdays or anniversaries or special events they're connected to. Uh, did they recently move in? Uh, are there people uh, that you see that sort of feel unwelcomed in the community? And if so, reach out to them and try to welcome them. You know, that old, they, they used to do the welcome packages. People would bring you something when you moved into a neighborhood. I, I think a lot of that is of the past, but maybe that would be a good way to welcome somebody. How about people at work? Think of your coworkers. What are their names? Again, if you don't know the name, introduce yourself. Are there any co-workers with major life changes going on? Anyone who has had a death or an illness in the family? Anybody who's just had a baby or maybe uh, they need a meal or a gift card or something? 
Anyone who doesn't feel like they fit in at work. Maybe you can reach out. How can you make them feel appreciated? Any new employees, how can you make them feel welcomed to the workplace? Are there others who may follow Jesus at work? Well, you would have that in common with them. How can you have conversations with them about Jesus? And then again, birthdays, anniversaries, special events. Uh, how can you support them if, with what they're going through? Do you have coworkers that uh, go out of their way to serve others in uh, the business? Well, in that case, why don't you do something that could show your appreciation for that? And then what about people that you play with, people that you just go have entertainment with? Uh, where, where do you go for recreation? Is it the gym? Um, they had in the book library. I'm like, man, I'd never go to a library for recreation. But um, sporting event. Uh, how many of you went to the ECU game last night? See, it's good that you woke up and got here today. I'm so proud of you. Uh, what a great game. What a great game as long as you were rooting for ECU. Um, cafes. Uh, can, can you get to know some of the people who frequent some of those places. Maybe, maybe you go into the same restaurant on a regular basis and you can get to know the people that work there. How can you listen and express care for that person with you, whom you have that regular contact? Can you do more than simply come in and go out of those places undetected. I know sometimes that's what we want to do. We don't want nobody to talk to us. We just want to go in, have our meal. But listen, maybe God has a divine appointment for you. That maybe you could say something for, to that person that day that would be a blessing to them. Can you have some kind of positive engagement with them? Can you do anything to make that place more positive and welcoming and is there a person you have some kind of affinity with there? You know, maybe, maybe it's that waiter or waitress that is always smiling, always has a good attitude, and you, you recognize the face. Maybe you don't know the name, but you, you feel a connection, and you just have a nice communication with them, and you listen to what they say. Sometimes... What I'll do, I don't do it every time, but sometimes as we're out eating, uh, we could ask the waiter or the waitress, can I pray for you about anything? I've only had one time where the waitress said, no, I, I don't need anything. But almost every other time, they will say something. Yes, can you pray for this? My mom or my grandmother's in the hospital or I, I'm trying to get through school and blah, blah, blah. I shouldn't have said blah, 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 should I? <laughs> Sometimes it's difficult to distinguish between a goal and a purpose. Goals might be defined as what one wishes to accomplish, while a purpose is what one hopes to accomplish through those goals. And I want to finish with this story because I think it highlights what we're talking about today. You know, uh, there was a young lady, uh, Madeline Dorado, I think there's a picture of her. her uh, they called her Maya for short. At the age of 23, Maya was something of a late bloomer when it came to uh, swimming competitions. She qualified for the 2016 Olympics in Rio. 
She had just missed qualifying for the 2012 Olympics, and everyone knew, including her, that this would be her one and only chance to compete in the Olympic Games. She would be competing in the 400-meter medley, the 200-meter medley, and the 200-meter breaststroke. She credited her coach for pushing her to try for the Olympic team. And while this was her goal, it was not her purpose. She told Yahoo Sports, I don't think God really cares about my swimming very much. This is not my end purpose, to make the Olympic team. When asked what she thought God did care about, she as she prepared for the Olympics in Rio, she said, I think God cares about my soul and whether I'm bringing His love and mercy into the world. Can I be a loving, supportive teammate and can I bless others around me in the same way God has been so generous with me? And in case you're wondering about Maya's goals She medaled in all four events, taking home one bronze, one silver, and two gold medals. Now, the bigger question for us today is, why are we here? Are we here just to take up space? Now, I'm not talking about why are you at church today. I'm talking about why God has given you life. Do you think God just put you here to build some walls around your life so that you would have no influence with people around you? Or do you recognize that God has put you here for a reason? You are here for His glory. Isolating yourself from people is not the answer. That doesn't give Him glory. Friends, we are here for a reason. We are here to bless people and point them to Jesus. We're not here to shush people and tell them Jesus doesn't have time for them. We're here to bring them to Jesus. And if you want to bless people, begin with prayer for them and listen to understand what it is they need. Father, thank you for all your blessings in our lives. Thank you for calling us to be a blessing to others. Help us to see that one way we can bless others is by listening to them. What are their hurts? What are their fears? What are their worries? What are their struggles? And as we hear them, Father, we gain insight as to how we can bless them. And so, Father, I ask you that you would provide the resources for us to do so. And we ask specifically, Father, that you would bless those ministries highlighted today and this month. The 86 Hunger, as uh, it provides food for needy children in our schools. And Bridge Foster Ministries, as it has teamed up with DSS to help those children who are in need, to provide love and support for those foster children and the families that welcome and love them in our community. Help us to listen to their needs so we can bless them. Put upon our hearts how we can show your love to those children and those families. Help us to go out and pray and listen to people who are around us so we can be your blessing to them. 
And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.